Gobble, gobble. <laughs> Travel back in time to the 80s, reliving the shenanigans. It was the early 80s, and sex was still a good way to meet new people. The disappointment. Now that's a real shame when folks be throwing away a perfectly good white boy like that. And the self-confidence. I'm six foot, three inches tall, and maintain a very consistent panda bear shape. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Sure, it's not 1985 right now, but who knows what tomorrow will bring. Hey, hey, welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears. And Brad in Hollywood. And today we attempt to get into the spirit of the season by deciding once and for all which holiday movie season was better, 1979 or 1989. I don't know. You don't know? Well, I'm not sure. You're not sure. Stuck in the 80s is a member of the CLNS Podcast Network. You can find our podcast on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and the CLNS Media mobile app. I believe Google Play is actually using that now as their uh, trademark expression. Google Play. They should. I'll happily license it to them. Well, anyway, if you forget all that, you can always listen to the show at the CLNS Media website. You can find it at clnsmedia.com. And as always, if you love the show, share the links on social media. And don't forget to like our page on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. It's that time. Christmas time is here. Everybody knows there's not a better time of year. Hear that sleigh. Santa's on his way. He'll kill parade for Christmas vacation. Hey, 80s Nation. So here we are at the beginning of another holiday season, and we thought, let's try to engage in the festivities with a, a topic that's not too completely foreign. It's holiday movies. And if you recall, we did this, I think, earlier this year where we debated which summer holiday movie season was better. Was it 1979 or 1989? Brad argued 89, very unsuccessfully. Successfully. Successfully, I might add. <laughs> so... <laughs> Honestly, I think we were both surprised at the quality of movies from summer of 1989. Very surprised. We're going to do it again today, and here's how it's going to work. We're only going to represent movies from either 1979 or 1989 that were released in November or December. That's what we're defining as our holiday movie season. Excellent. It is not a... Oh, what would you call it? Scientific list. It's not a complete list. I mean, we're, we're not going to represent every single movie. We're going to talk about the ones that we remember the most. Or that we think you remember the most. <laughs> right. And at the end, we'll let history be our judge. <laughs> <laughs> history is going to judge us all right, my friend. <laughs> yeah, very poorly. You chose poorly. So in a switch from the previous show... Brad's actually going to represent 1979, and I'm going to rep the very far superior year of 1989. I don't think I've ever heard you say that those words in that combination. It's so weird. It's no shock that it took five takes for us to record that phrase, superior, superior, I still can't say it, superior year 1989. So for those who don't know us all that well, 1989 would have been the year that Brad and I graduated college on opposite yep. ends of the uh, country, not yet knowing each other. 
It's true. We went to college together at different schools. 1979, we would have both been 12 years old and still felt that the best of life was in front of us and didn't yeah. know how wrong we were. Bridging from you know <laughs> playing with our evil Knievel figurines to uh, wondering what girls wanted to do. <laughs> Did you have the Evil Knievel stuff? I did. Oh, the the, the wind-up one? The, the, like, yeah. The friction? Oh, yeah. Oh, God, that thing was awesome. Yep. I had that. I had the... In, in my memory, anyway, I had the uh, the little canyon, the Snake River Canyon vehicle oh, that nice. he's supposed to... Yeah, yeah, like the now, rocket sled, rocket jet thing. Right. Now, that's in my mind rocket that car. way. <laughs> I'm sure my parent, my mom would probably disagree and say, say she would never have spent the money for me to have... I never bought you that. I also never spent $75 to buy a copy of the Village People's Can't Stop the Music on VHS, which she did. But that's not what we're here to talk about today. History will judge her and already has. Yes. Yes. So let's get started. Brad, what movies do you want to represent first from 1979? I'm going to start with, you know, November coming into December. This is a time of year when studios release their heavy hitters for their Oscar campaigns. I will say that those campaigns have gotten a lot more structured and purposeful as we move into the century we're in now. But last century, if you remember, it was a little more casual, but they still did it. So I have yeah. three movies that I'm calling my Oscar bait category. The first one, Kramer versus Kramer. I'm not taking him with me. I'm no good for him. I'm terrible with him. I have no patience. He's better off without me. Joanne, please. And I don't love you anymore. What's this about, kids? That's right. It's an ugly custody battle. Ugh. Oh, I, I saw this in the theater as a 12-year-old. Why did my parents let me go see this? Same, dude. I saw it as well. I think they took me. I think it was sort of like their way of sort of saying, this could be coming your way soon. Life sucks, dude. Wait, what? No, my parents stayed together, but there were some... Some rocky times. There were some questionable years there. It's a long mm. story. You can read all about it in my autobiography someday. But uh, Well, interestingly, my parents did eventually get divorced, but not until I was in my 20s. Okay. But this... I don't... I think I went to see this with friends. Honestly, I... I mean, the, we didn't go to the movies as a family ever, maybe once when I was little. But I, yeah, I'm not quite sure what, I mean, I guess there just wasn't the kind of review culture that there is now where everyone knew what something was about. Right. And the town I grew up in had one screen and, you know, it's like, oh, you want to go to the movies this weekend? What's playing? Doesn't matter. Let's go. Yeah. You know. But this had nine Academy Award nominations and five wins. Wow. Jesus. Yeah. The title doesn't give it away to a 12-year-old. I mean, Kramer versus Kramer sounds like it could be a a Disney title about, you know, two stepkids who get into a, a fight at school or something Ooh, like that. You yeah. don't know that that's – you don't know that what's about to happen. Yeah. So I, I – that's a great I don't pick. think I've seen it since the – since I saw it in the theater because it no. was just like, I don't need to go back there. It's a dark place. Yeah. That's not generally what dark. I'm looking for in entertainment. So let's move on. The next one is All That Jazz. Bob Fosse directs a movie about Bob Fosse. This is the kind of navel-gazing crap that the Academy <laughs> loves. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Yeah. This is the most oscar baity of oscar bait. Uh, eight noms, four wins. Wow. Yeah. I didn't realize that. 
This all that jazz could also be like what happens the night before a podcast when I call you at eight o'clock at night with some harebrained <laughs> idea for an introspective podcast topic, and you're like, "Yes, yeah, Steve, that sounds great. Let's talk about it in the morning." And then the morning rolls around, and you get a text from me that says, "You know all that stuff from last night? Just yeah, forget put it. Put away the put away the microscope. We will not be doing deep navel gazing this week." Bob Fosse should have done the same. Yes. The third one I have for you today is the rose. Just This is basically the Janis Joplin story, but it's not Janis Joplin. It's the rose instead of the pearl because her family pulled the rights to the name. So it's you know loosely uh. loosely veiled references to uh, Janis Joplin's four nominations, but zero wins. Nice try, kids. I remember the song. Sure, that's about sure. it. And I remember seeing it mainly. I was interested because I was pretty sure there was going to be some topless scenes. <laughs> hey, wasn't there a topless scene in uh, Kramer versus Kramer? Uh, or am I just? I don't remember. <laughs> am I just wishing that there was one? Let's I don't say there was. Anyway. in the courtroom, okay, no less. Meryl that. Streep took off her top. Yeah, likely. So, okay, you you have you make some very good points, some very good cases with your Oscar bait from 1979. Those movies are much more acclaimed than I remember them being. But I'm here ten years ahead of you, as always, with a bunch of movies, a bunch of movies that have at least at least 13 Oscar wins between them. Wow. These are my heavy hitters for the Oscar bait from 1979. You start off with My Left Foot. It wasn't Daniel Day-Lewis's first movie, not by a long shot, but it was the first one where we were all kind of like, oh, my God, here's this new guy. And he's Who's this dude with big. a hyphen? Yeah. Right, right. So if it, did I see it? Yes. Do I remember it and want to see it again? No. <laughs> yeah, didn't he have like a little cart he like pulled himself around in? Am I remembering yeah, that? Like a little box with wheels? There's a lot of dark movies in both our years. I, we should tell people that because darkness sells when it comes to the Oscars. That's true. And, and apparently it, during the holiday season. So you got My Left Foot. It's, good, it's a good start. came out early November that year. It's a solid base. <laughs> yeah. So here, here's a more mainstream movie, Steel Magnolias. Good. I'm so mad. I don't know what to do. I want to know why. I want to know why Shelby's life is over. I want to know how that baby will ever know how wonderful his mother was. Will he ever know what she went through for him? Oh, God, I want to know why. Why? Lord, I wish I could understand. No. 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 It's not supposed to happen this way. I'm supposed to go first. I've always been ready to go first. I don't think I can take this. I don't think I can take this. I just want to hit somebody until they feel as bad as I do. I just want to hit something. I want to hit it hard. Here. Hit this. Go ahead, Malin. Slopper. Are you crazy? Here. 
Roberta! Are you high, Clary? Clary, have you lost your mind? We'll sell t-shirts saying I slapped Louisa Boudreaux. Hedda! This one gets the best actress nomination for Julia Roberts. Huh. It's either the best chick flick of the 80s, if I can use that term, or it's certainly the best known of the 80s. Uh, you can also add this to the list of movies I've never seen. Yeah. I don't even know why I have. I, I remember I being mad. You know, 1989 in November again. No, I'm not going to right. see some chick movie. No. <laughs> I'm sure if I win, it was because I was dragged there on a date. That, that's the only reason I can possibly think that I went to half these movies. I, I don't know for a fact, but if past was prelude in that, that year, I'm sure I was on the outs with my girlfriend at that point. So I would not have yeah. been going. <laughs> Let's go see a movie where Julia Roberts dies. Okay. December 13. Now, this is an interesting one. Driving Miss Daisy. I don't need you. I don't want you. And I don't like you saying I'm rich. Well, I won't say it no more. Is that what you and I dare to talk about in the kitchen? No, Miss Daisy. Oh, I no, Miss... hate this. I hate being discussed behind my back in my own house. I was born on Forsyth Street. And believe you me, I know the value of a penny. Yes, My brother Manny brought home a white cat one day, and Papa said we couldn't keep it because we couldn't afford to feed it. My sister saved up money so I could go to school to be a teacher. We didn't have anything. Yes. But you're doing all right now. Do you remember this movie? Oh, yeah. Did you see it? I I did, believe it or not. Although I don't think I saw the theater. I think that was a rental. I think it was a rental for me, too. It was a, a huge movie with a lot of buzz. This movie won four Oscars, including Best Picture, Best Actress for Jessica Tandy, Best Makeup, and Best Screenplay. It was nominated for five more including ones for Dan Aykroyd and Morgan Freeman. And, and can I say that my, my father's family grew up in Atlanta, and I've spent enough days in Atlanta at least to know what a good Atlanta accent sounds like. Okay. And Dan Aykroyd, Dan Aykroyd masters it, just huh. masters it. I, I wouldn't have thought that. I thought you were going to go the other way with that. Nope. Uh, nope. You know, will Dan Aykroyd ever get another Oscar nomination? Nope. Probably not. <laughs> This was his this was his best and only chance I would imagine. But he did the work and he certainly deserved it. Let's go to December thirteenth and this uh heartwarming crowd pleaser <laughs> glory. If this man should fall, who will lift the flag and carry on? I will. See you in the fort, Thomas. Glory won three Oscars. Best Supporting Actor for Denzel Washington. It's about the 54th Massachusetts Infantry Regiment in the Civil War, which was actually not the first, but actually the second black regiment in the war. Hmm. That's a kind of point that they kind of gloss over there a little bit. Although they were the first formal one, though. Oh, okay. Interesting. But to me, this is like the movie that's like Ferris Bueller has grown up. Yeah, I was now. about to say, this is Ferris Bueller's like forefather who shows him how to be serious. It's like when John Cusack did um, Eight Men Out or The Grifters. The Grifters. Like, oh, okay. The Grifters. Oh, God, I love that movie. <laughs> Lloyd Dobler is dead. <laughs> Long yeah, live The Grifters. Yeah, he was killed by a bartender when he tried to scam him for 15 bucks. And then, of course, the last of my Oscar rate movies, Born on the Fourth of July, Tom Cruise, Oliver Stone. It won two Oscars, including one for Oliver Stone. Uh, I don't. It didn't win one for Tom. 
I'm sure he thought he was a shoe in. Oh yeah. Now, but that's just the way it goes. Interestingly, I do remember seeing this in the movie theater with my girlfriend. And the reason I remember is because I get a little squeamish in scenes where there are like things, people being operated on and stuff. And the scene where they're, I don't remember exactly what it was like. He's got his, his legs in a cast and they got this thing that they're like sucking the, the stuff oh, out of yeah. his leg. And I have oh, this yeah. like death grip on my girlfriend's hand and she's like, you need to loosen your grip. And I'm like, what? what? She's like, you're <laughs> squeezing my hand so hard I can feel it. I was really just stressed out over that moment. Uh, the whole second half of the movie is a little squeamish. Yeah. But that is reality for you. So those are my uh, Oscar bait ones. That's a pretty good list, Steve. I hate to say it. It is. It is. a pretty good list. So what's your next category for 1979? My next category is one of my favorites. I'm calling this the questionable sci-fi category. So I'm going to open up here with the Walt Disney attempt at making a dark and mysterious space movie, <laughs> The Black Hole. We want to get out of here. I'm staying. Shh. Reinhardt is a murderer. What? Yes. Those creatures, those aren't robots. They're, they're humanoids. They're... They're what's left of the original crew. What's wrong, Miss Kate? You look ill. Kate's upset because I've elected to stay with the Cygnus. I hope she's electing also to stay with us. No, I... What changed your mind? I'm not, I, uh... The right moment to go into the black hole is now. There's no two ways around this, Steve. This movie is weird as hell. <laughs> it's great. I... I did see this in the theater. I remember my parents taking me to it. I remember I had nightmares for at least three months afterwards. <laughs> the ending is so bizarro. Oh, it's the whole heaven and hell thing. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. Happens there, and the and the man and the machine meld, and I'm just like what? Oh, like how? God. How did that get out of the pitch meeting? I got two words for you for the pitch meeting: robot funeral. <laughs> which, by the way, should be the name of my German alt rock band. Oh, I like it. The What's the first album named? Robot Green. Funeral. It's just self-titled. Greasy Nipples. It's a fantastically misguided attempt at science fiction at a time when science fiction was really evolving faster than the studios could kind of keep their paws on it. You know, especially what I mean? Disney. I mean, Disney was in a dark place in the late seventies as a studio. Right. Let's move on to something I actually like. The other big sci-fi end of 1979 picture is and we've talked about this before star mm. trek the motion picture yes feature is a child i suggest you treat her as such a child yes captain a child evolving learning searching instinctively needing needing what spock this child is about to wipe out every living thing on Earth. Now, what do you suggest we do? Spank it. It knows only that it needs, Commander. But like so many of us, it does not know what. Steve, if you want to know why we still have Star Trek now, it's because they let this movie into the theaters. I'll give you that. It all I builds from this. <laughs> it does all build from this, including the modern score that we're also familiar with comes from this movie that's right look i'll admit it it's a what two hour it's a two hour episode of the original tv show basically right in, in it, many it was ways. a chance to reintroduce everybody to the characters god it just looks great 
it looks fantastic. It's just what you want in sci-fi, like truly amazing vistas and like, what is this thing? I don't know. It goes forever. Like, you know, that's not a moon. It's a space station. Well, this thing's even bigger than that. <laughs> I, d- I remember it lasting forever. I, to this day, I'm not sure I completely understand how it ends. Other than I know the first officer and his bald ex-girlfriend. Decker and Ilea go into another plane <laughs> and off they go. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and off they go. So it's, that's that's what I remember. I love this movie. <laughs> it just had its, well, obviously, it just had its 40th anniversary. I think it was in the theaters for a couple nights, but I did not get out to see it because that would have required no. leaving the house. Yeah. I don't think I've ever owned this either. I, I've owned a lot of the Star Trek movies. I'm probably a bigger Trek fan than I am a Star Wars fan. And this was never one of those ones I felt like I needed to own. It's it's on television enough times still, which yeah. is like once every five years. That's still enough. Yeah, you don't need to, to watch revisit. it all the time. But you know. no, it's, it's, it's no interesting way. that the guys that invented or kind of built the Klingon language did it based on like what four lines of Klingon dialogue at the beginning of this movie. Oh, I didn't know that. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's really interesting. That's some pretty super nerdy stuff. All I can do is tip my cap <laughs> to you, language yeah. nerds. Fast forward another ten years. And we have my category, which instead of questionable sci-fi, I'm going to call questionable cartoons. There were two memorable cartoon movies in the holiday season of 1989. I I didn't see either one of them, I don't think. Or if I did, I've wiped them from my memory banks. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The two are All Dogs Go to Heaven and The Little Mermaid. Hmm. Okay. Wait, Little Mermaid is 1989? It is. You don't think of Disney as having that in the 80s, but it did. No, you really don't. And it's credited with kind of kickstarting their animation division again. Yeah. I believe. Have you ever seen this? It's about a fish? <laughs> sure. Yeah, they're they're fishing it. Yeah, they're fishing it. A small one, a small know. fish. I, I have the theme song. That's I about have, it. I have a daughter that was once a young daughter, and so, of course, I've seen this with her. Yeah. It's kind of the last gasp of the old-style disney princess movie i mean it's hand animated for one thing yeah but also it's got the the classic grease message change yourself so a man will like you you know it's (laughs) just not the kind of message you want to be giving your daughter frankly right you know what i secretly love i have to say this when i say something like i haven't seen the little mermaid what is it about a fish and i know that there's probably like 1500 stuck in 80s fans around (laughs) just bursting to the now just yeah Unsubscribe. <laughs> Unsubscribe. I'm sorry. We could. I mean, it was, if you were 21 years old in 1989, you weren't going to go see The Little Mermaid. It's fact you know, check it just true. wasn't on our radar. It was but explicitly still, removed from the radar. I know, though, that I'd, I'd be surprised. I, I, If you're one of the ones who had a, a small heart episode when I said that, please, please email me. I just would love to know. <laughs> anyway, so, so those funny. are my questionable cartoons. What's your next category from 1979? Okay, next up is Comedies big and small. So I got three in this bucket. First one is Steven Spielberg's 1941. Who said Warners? I heard it on that radio there. Radio's wrong. Overrated. I can't stand this movie. It's I, 
I, awful. As one does, I went to Wikipedia to read the plot summary just so I could refresh myself. And two things occurred to me. One, after reading it, I could not figure out what the fuck they were talking about. <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense at all. And two, I'm pretty sure I've never seen this. It does not have a great reputation. No, it doesn't. It was... it. John Belushi's it was it was like a it was like a collection of everyone had like a five second skit idea and let's throw it together in a movie and, and they tried to stitch it together. I mean seriously, go to Wikipedia and read the plot summary and then you come and tell yeah. me what actually happened in that movie. Guess what? You can't. I, I just I I can piece it together in my head, but I don't really want to. You know, it's kind of like <laughs> it's like so many things in life that I'd like to forget about. It's a place it, that Benet Gesserit cannot see. <laughs> it's not is it the worst comedy i've ever seen no but was it the, was it yeah, so Kramer highly anticipated is the worst comedy you've ever seen <laughs> yeah that's true but it, it was one of those movies that everybody was like oh my god this is going to be epic and it just wasn't yeah that happens so the next one is the jerk i'm sorry we get it all right back with the jerk you know what i'd like to do what guess your weight Hey, that would be interesting for me. No one has tried to guess my weight. You see, I guess their weight to be sort of a... Put your arms up. This will give me a whole different perspective on this. Hey, you're really trying to be accurate. Is it getting hot in here? Wait a minute! What's happening to my special purpose? What's your special purpose? Well, when I was a kid, my mom told me that was my special purpose! And someday I'd find out what that special purpose was! Today's the day! This is vintage Steve Martin. That's mm. all I need to say. I mean, yeah. you got the cat juggling, you got, you know, bring us some new wine. It's... Oh my gosh! The phone book, the whole phone book I was, thing. I was born a poor black child. I, you know, he yeah. hates these cans. I could do this all hour. <laughs> Every time I grab my thermos to go to work, I'm like, all I need is this thermos. I'm picking out a thermos for you. you. It is. It is the <laughs> shining revelation. star in my 1979 <laughs> comedies, big and small. Yeah, category. I, I get you that. And the third one, and this also is pretty strong, although I didn't see this until years later is Peter Sellers in Being There. I don't know what you like. <laughs> I like to watch, Eve. What do you mean, you like to watch? I like to watch. It occurred to me yesterday, this is Stranger in a Strange Land, but instead of being a Martian, he's a gardener. Yeah. If you look at most of the Peter Seller movies, they're not uber-innovative. They're, they're well he takes, done. He takes a great story. He takes a great story and puts his own spin on it. Right. And it just, it's so well executed. It's, yes. it's hilarious. And you, you know, I, some of the jokes, you just, you see them coming. They just set it up and here it is. And, and then it happens. And they're still so funny. He executes so well. Yeah. Well, and, and some of those lines still, the, the line, and I like to watch, still. <laughs> <laughs> It still resonates today. Like there's a there's a commercial right now for Hooters Monday Night Football, and the whole joke premise is based on being there. It's like you know my parents don't get it, but we like to watch. You know, <laughs> it's it's the same it's the same joke. It's so good. It's so simple. And, Forty and, years later, someone's still getting traction. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. If it were on right now, I would stop the podcast. I would go downstairs and I would watch it, and then we would pick the things up uh, two hours later. I um. I also have a 
uh, comedies big and small from 1989. <laughs> now, this is a category I'm pretty sure I'm going to lose to you at. So here we go. The War of the Roses Ooh. with uh, Michael Douglas and Kathleen Turner. Yes. Is it a comedy? Yes. But is it also like one of the most uncomfortable comedies? It is so dark. If you haven't seen this, this is the quintessential dark comedy. Yeah. Before I don't think we really I've seen were this used all the them. way through. Yeah. I don't think I've seen this all the way through maybe since 89. Oh. Because it comes on and it's like you say, it's a little uncomfortable. You get oh, to the very. point where you're just like, oh, I can't watch any more of this. No, these no. people are just being horrible to each other. Oh, <laughs> uh, when he goes in the kitchen, and uh, Michael Douglas is peeing in the soup. <laughs> I mean, just <laughs> or even the very end where he tries to hold her hand, and she flicks it away. I mean, just yeah. there's not a moment of this movie that's not supremely uncomfortable. Yeah. So, is it a comedy, big or small? It, it is. But I don't know. Yeah, I think don't this is a movie that I respect more than I like. If yes. you know what I mean. There is also. Uh, Tango and Cash. (laughs) You know, Potato Head, you just fell for the oldest routine in the book. Bad cop? Worst cop. (laughs) Now, Tango and Cash is one of my favorite punchlines. When when someone says something and I'll say, well, it's no Tango and Cash. (laughs) Or like, well, it's no Turner and Hooch. Sylvester Stallone, Kurt Russell, nominated for three Razzie Awards. But if it was on right now? downstairs i would stop the podcast immediately and go down and watch it it's just one of those weird movies we need to do a razzie to the 80s show oh that'd be fun put a pin in that about that put a pin in that one and take a pin and burst the last three balloons that i floated to you over the last week because they're all very (laughs) bad ideas that we'll never talk about again uh and of course the last big comedy from 1989 uh everyone loves this one it's probably the most beloved christmas movie of the 80s uh national lampoon's christmas vacation I like Frank Shirley, my boss, right here tonight. I want him brought from his happy holiday slumber over there on Melody Lane with all the other rich people. And I want him brought right here with a big ribbon on his head. And I want to look him straight in the eye and I want to tell him what a cheap, lying, no good, rotten, four flushing, low life, snake licking, dirt eating, inbred, overstuffed, ignorant, blood sucking, dog kissing, brainless, dickless, hopeless, heartless, fat ass, bug eyed, Stiff-legged, spotty-lipped, worm-headed sack of monkey shit he is. Hallelujah. Holy shit. Where's the Tylenol? Shitter's full. We've done a whole uh, podcast on this one, so there's really not a whole lot of ground to cover. But it, it, it will always be an 80s It is a Christmas treasure. Classic. So that kind of leaves us with a sort of a et cetera yeah. grab other bag. categories that you'd like to th- – I've got one in my grab bag, Steve. What's in your grab bag? And it is the electric horseman. Five times all around world champion cowboy, and now you're selling cereal. How do you feel about that? Robert Redford is a former rodeo cowboy who now sells cereal. While selling cereal, he rides horses, and he's chased by Jane Fonda, who's a reporter. This reunites these two actors from 1967's Barefoot in the Park. Have you ever seen that? I didn't see it, but I know yeah, what I, I know didn't of realize, it. again, I did some research. I didn't realize that Robert Redford had originated his role in Barefoot in the Park on Broadway. No, me neither, obviously. Huh. I, yeah. I did see this in theaters. I'm, I'm 99% sure this is one of those ones where you get dragged to by the family because mom wants to see it. Mom wants to see Robert Redford. Yes, she does. So I think I was conned into it by her sort of 
crafting like it's an electric horseman steve it's gonna be very interesting it'll be just like the black hole but different <laughs> or something like that without the merging <laughs> yeah. of the man and robot as they pass <laughs> through hell so yeah only we shall pass through hell as we actually watch this movie i have another category too only because i didn't know where else to put this and this is a big movie but uh you people forget that back to the future too came out november 22nd 1989 welcome to the cafe 80s where it's always morning in america even in the afternoon at noon <laughs> our special today is mesquite grilled yes, sushi you must have the occasion special yes, you, go you must have the occasion special yes, you, go you must have the occasion special all i want is a pepsi Oh, yeah, that's right, because Back to the Future 3 then was a spring 1990 release. 1990 or 91, I forget, yeah. I think, I think you're I think right, 1990, yeah, yeah. So they so shot he, them both at the same time and then, you know, got them out of the oven quick. Right, so there, there are two other movies I, I want to talk about real quick. I'm going to throw these into some interesting categories. Movies from 1989 that you haven't seen but that you should. There's one called Music Box where an attorney has to defend her aging father against charges that he was a war criminal in World War II. Fantastic suspense movie. I highly recommend it. Very disturbing. (laughs) That's not why I recommend it. I just, I can't really say you enjoy it. I enjoyed the movie about the war criminal, but (laughs) I remember seeing it for the first time and I remember it came on. I'm like, I'm not going to watch a movie called Music Box. And I sat through the whole thing. So there must be something to it. We've talked about this movie before, Always, the Steven Spielberg film that starred uh, Richard Dreyfuss about a pilot who dies and then becomes a kind of a spirit guide to other pilots. That's yeah. a real... You love that movie. I do love that movie, and I don't know why. And then, of I course... I want to cry today. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of crying in that movie, that's for sure. And then I have another category called Movies That You Haven't Seen from, from Holiday Season 1989 and You Really Shouldn't Bother. And these are going to be controversial as well. Harlem Nights, the Eddie Murphy flop... But still, it had everybody in it, so you know. Yeah, it, it, cast of thousands. Yes, and then there's another movie called Best of the Best, which I don't know if you remember, but it starred Eric Roberts and James Earl Jones and Christopher Penn. It was a martial arts movie, and I've probably seen it three or four times for some weird sadistic reason. Hmm. I think we've even used it as a mystery movie moment clip. Okay. So there's going to be people out there who are offended by the idea that I put Best of the Best in the Don't Bother category, but. It's, all I can all I can picture is the tournament scenes from yes. Karate Kid stretched out to two hours long with you know Joe Esposito underneath it for the whole time. Right. Finally, at the end of it, he's just like, "You're the best <laughs> around." <laughs> yeah. uh, uh. I didn't bother with that for the 1979 movies. If you wanted to see them, you have. I have to say, Steve, I'm I'm going to concede victory to you based on the strength of your Oscar bait category and back to the future 2 which i think is probably the best middle movie sequel of any 80s series oh yeah yeah i I would agree with that i love the dystopian hill valley yeah i'm trying to think of other ones i'm like well it's not it sure as shit's not indiana jones and the uh it's not indiana jones uh what was the middle one called the temple of doom that's awful i mean if we're gonna grandfather in star wars oh well Empire Strikes uh, Back. Empire Strikes Back is better than Back to the Future 2. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Anyway, so I'm, I'm going to give you the win. And, you know, if people want to tell me that I folded early and I should have pushed a little harder, then fine. E- email me. Brad at SIT80s.com. 
In the meantime, let's push for something else. It's called The The Seggies. Ah, the lovely refrain that we like to refer to as listener mailbag. We got a short one this week, and it's from a Canadian. And I say that with a weird tone, like it's a bad thing. It's from a Canadian. <laughs> a Canadian? Can, wait, they have an email in the Canadia? They do in Canada. And uh, I can see the stats on, on where our listeners are. And, and I can tell you right now, Canada is the number two market after the United States. So and then I think it's Australia and then the UK. Strangely, we're big in Florida and California. <laughs> yeah. Very big in the Tampa Bay area, even though I don't live there anymore. So we got a letter from Kevin Josephson from Chilwack, British Columbia. He says, hey, Brad and Steve, it is I, Kevin from Chilwack, pronounced chill, short like an ick, and then whack. So there's the, the second I is silent, which... Oh, or com- is it chill whack no, I think it's or, Chilwack. Oh, the short I is chill, Chilwack. Okay, so well, it's Chilwack. You know, that's okay. what somebody else confirmed it for me they too. They so had some th- extra paint and they and they drew an I in there just to make us Americans look stupid. Apparently, which, or either that or we're being punked on a global scale. It's well played, sir. Kevin says, uh, "I love that you deep dive with Luba, which we have confirmed the pronunciation of Chilwack and April Wine." This was our last episode when we did the. Songs with the same titles that are different songs, and and every song title we had had a Canadian artist. So go back and listen to it. It was kind of a fun yeah, show to do. It's fun. He says Chilwack are rightfully legends in these parts and still come by at least once a year. And I actually attended a Luba concert back in the day. Her voice is magnificent. She was truly royalty on the airways for a number of years. Keep up all the good work. Been listening since episode fifty, and of course I went back and listened to them all. Thanks, Kevin Josephson from Chilwack. Just doesn't sound right to say chill whack. Can we still just say chilly whack? It just feels well, better. Well, we can. I don't mind being wrong. We we have been multiple times already this week. It's true. <laughs> yes, Steve, that's a great idea for a podcast. Chilly whack. Yes, just I am me in the morning. Tell me if you still like that idea. Anyway, we do apologize if we mispronounced that, but thank you for the correction. After our sh- last show, I put some Luba on in my Spotify playlist, and her voice is fantastic. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. Very, she's a little early to the alto, little lower-pitched singer-songwriter genre. She was before I, her I almost time. feel like, yeah, if she had broken in like 1989, 1990, she would have potentially have been much, much bigger. Down here. So Yeah, globally. Exactly. As always, we appreciate your letters. Just send them to podcast at sit80s.com. Hey, it's time for I Want My Mystery TV theme song. Uh, this is the segi where we'll play a snippet of a TV theme song from the 80s. If you get it right, you're in a t- drawing for some swag. Pay attention. Here's the clip from last time. That's the theme to the soap opera General Hospital. I 
don't know. I've been on kind of a soap opera kick lately. I think that's the second one we've used this year. So, yeah, you gotta do what you got to do to make the that world was filmed go around. on the ABC Prospect lot in the Los Feliz area of LA. Oh, see, you know that, and I didn't. Hmm. Fun fact: <laughs> it's based in the fictional Port Charles, though, right? If I remember correctly, I might be. I might be. You, you got me screwing that one up. That was one of the ones my mom used to always watch. Anyway, read some of the winners. Winners this week include Spitvalve McGee in Oregon, Wisconsin. I still think they need to petition to have a town name that's not another state. That's right. rude. Chris living on the air in Cincinnati. Adams, Victorian, Big Bear, Alejandro Sticks, Cardoso Solis from Tijuana, Mexico. Giovanni from London, Tom Corn in Austria, Lou Sweet Lou Grilly, and Marie in Bradington. That's nice. Uh, nice going, wheel. Marie. <laughs> spin the wheel. Let's see who, who uh, gets the lovely bottle opener. Here we go. Nice job. Oh, thank you, sir. There we go. You know, maybe it's, maybe Oregon, Wisconsin is not actually pronounced Oregon. Maybe it's Oregon. Hey, it looks like it's actually going to land on Spitvalve McGee. So, hey, Spitvalve, um, just send us your postal address and we'll send you a uh, piece of swag. In the meantime, pay attention. Here's this week's. Mystery clip. If you know it, email us at podcast at sits.com and tune in soon to find out if you're a winner. Wiener. Hey, gang, that's all we have for this week uh, for our American listeners. Have a great and safe Thanksgiving holiday. We will be back with a new show soon because Brad and I remain here where we want to be, though not under the sea, still hopelessly. Stuck in the 80s. What do they got? A lot of sand. We got a hot procession band. Each little clown here, no hotter jam here under the sea. Stuck in the 80s is a member of the CLNS Media Network. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for our theme music. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or the CLNS Media mobile app.